That, uh, that song is by Matt Redman, who, uh, when I was in college and starting to, starting to think that leading worship uh, was something that I enjoyed and, and was getting better at, uh, he had come out with his first couple of albums of, of worship songs, which were starting to get traction. More and more churches were playing them. And, um, so I, I really I, I loved the songs, really appreciated the songs that Matt Redman was writing. And, uh, and then that song came out, I think, shortly after I was in college. Um, and uh, it, it turns out it was inspired uh, by some of, the, some of his own personal experience with fathers in his life. Um, I, don't, I don't know him very well. I don't know him at all, actually. Um, but I, I did, and this is a true story, I, I did uh, pee next to him in adjoining urinals in, uh, in a vineyard church in Columbus, Ohio. So I, 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 refrained, I refrained from introducing myself. But he was, uh, he was interviewed uh, after writing this song in... We actually, there's another song earlier, Blessed Be Your Name. That's another one that he wrote that we sang earlier. So we're, we have been blessed by his, his songwriting ministry. He was interviewed about this song, the father's song, uh, and, and uh, told some of his story. His, his, dad, um, his dad committed suicide when he was seven years old. Uh, and then the, the guy that uh, his mom remarried uh, was abusive in, in the family after that. So kind of a rough kind of a rough, a rough go when it came to father figures in his life. But he said this. He said, I, you know, I've never really felt fatherless. I lost my dad when I was seven, and things didn't go too good with the guy who replaced him. But I've never really felt fatherless. And this song is about that. It talks about God being our father. About God, how we can sing, uh, how we can sing songs to God, but the song that overwhelms all of them and precedes all of them is his song over us. The language of this song, uh, some of it is borrowed from the prophet Zephaniah in chapter 3, where the, the imagery that the prophet is using there is of God as a father and Israel as his daughter. There's this intimate daughter-father relationship there, and it says that God as father sings over his daughter, sings over his people, delights in them. It is Father's Day today, and it's not uh, entirely accidental that we're going to start a a short sermon series here before the summer months on knowing God as our Father and and how we do that. Uh, Where where do we look in Scripture to find these images of God as our Father? Um, Scripture uses many metaphors and many images to reveal who God is, but one that is consistent from Old Testament to New Testament Testament is this sense of that God is our Heavenly Father. Um, but even within that image, there are aspects of God as our Father that if we were to hone in on one particular aspect of that, we would have a, ultimately a twisted view of God. For example, if we take into account um, God's discipline of his people, which, which is an element of what it means for God to be our Father, but if we focus solely in on that, we're going to end up with a twisted view of what it means for God to be our Heavenly Father. If we focus in on God's power and his authority, we'll get, some, we'll, get, we'll get a piece of the pie, right? A piece of the image of what it means for God to be our father, but, but not the whole thing. And so this is uh, a good encouragement for us to always uh, look at the whole of Scripture. Look at what, what Scripture says from the Old Testament through to the New Testament about this image of God as our father. 
But even within that, what we see most clearly and, and most specifically is that Jesus reveals to us who God is as our Father. So we're going to be looking at that um, over the next few weeks. One of the challenges, uh, maybe the biggest challenge that we face, is that all of us have experience with our own fathers. Right? All of us have, uh, when we hear that God is our Father, all of us bring some baggage to that, uh, to that truth, with, with that reality. Um, as Summer was praying, whether we've had uh, great fathers or very imperfect fathers who have abandoned us or been abusive or uh, in, in, in other ways been far, far less than what a father should be, the reality is that all of our fathers have been far, far less than what they should be because sin. Uh, but, um, but as we look at Scripture, we want to allow God to redefine to recenter us on what it means for God to be our Heavenly Father. I think one of the ways that I'm aware of my own shortcomings as a father uh, is approaching my father-son and father-daughter relationship sort of transactionally or kind of achievement-based, like as long as you do the things that I want you to do, then, then we're good, you know, then our relationship is good. And I, I was reflecting on my relationship with my dad, and I'm... You've heard me tell a lot of stories about my dad. I, I love my dad. I'm so grateful for him. Um, it, it's an example of God's grace, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't choose my parents. I just got born into their family, but I, I received them as a gift. However, uh, my dad's, he's a professor, and grades were, were pretty important. And so I, I don't know that it was ever expressly stated to me, um, but I, I worked hard in high school so that I would not bring home a B because I didn't know what would happen if I brought home a B. So I got really good at getting a 90.2% in uh, whatever the subject was. That was probably more what I learned how to do in high school, was get a 90.2% than the actual <laughs> subject material. Um, and then in college, in my first semester, I just completely shot my chances of getting a four point in the fir first semester in a couple of classes. And it turns out my dad still loved me. And so I think some of that was on my own perceptions of... Uh, you know, of, of my own father and, and his attitude towards me. So, as I said, we're going to look at Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He's the, the, the clearest place where we get a sense for who God is like, what God is like. But there's another element, too. It's not just looking at Jesus himself. It's looking at Jesus as God the Son, as a member of the Trinity, and his relationship with God the Father. So we believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And within the Trinity, there's this community of perfect love between God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And we get glimpses into that in the Gospels and in the New Testament, this relationship between God the Son, God the Father, and God the Holy Spirit. And we see that this unique and special relationship that Jesus had with God the Father uh, is one that he actually invites us into, to this intimate, unique relationship. So I'm going to read uh, a couple of passages from Luke 2 and 3 uh, in the early part of Jesus' life that highlight this relationship between God the Son and God the Father. Luke 2 is one of those um, 
passages that we, we rely heavily on during Christmas time, right? It gives some of the most detailed account of the birth of Jesus and the surrounding events. But at the end of Luke 2, we get a very unique glimpse into Jesus as a boy. And this is the only place in the Gospels, uh, most of the other Gospels jump from Jesus' birth to Jesus at 30. And here we get uh, just a window into what Jesus was like as a boy that I think gives us some insight into this unique relationship that Jesus, as God the Son, has with God, his Heavenly Father. This is the end of Luke 2, starting in verse 41. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, probably the understatement in all of scripture, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Any parent here would probably say some other things as well. (laughs) And then this is Jesus' response. And in Luke's gospel, these are the first words that we have of Jesus. Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? This was not a euphemism that people often used for the temple, that anyone used. This is the first time that the temple is referred to as my father's house. But that's how Jesus understood his relationship with God, his father. His sense of safety and security. And the first glimpse we get of the intimacy that Jesus has with God the Father. Later on, Luke chapter 3, I'm going to jump ahead here, the middle of the chapter. So there, uh, Luke gives us that, that window into Jesus as a boy, um, goes home, continues to grow up in Nazareth, and then John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he's preparing people for Jesus. He's preparing the way of the Lord by baptizing people in the wilderness. And so Jesus goes out there in verse 21 of chapter 3. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your word. Open our hearts and open our ears this morning that we would hear from you that we would hear you singing over us, that we would hear you declaring of us that we are your beloved children in whom you are well pleased. Amen. We actually get a little glimpse here in Jesus' baptism of the Trinity, right? Jesus is praying to God the Father. The Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, 
And he hears the voice of God the Father speaking, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We have to ask ourselves, like, why did Luke choose to start his gospel, essentially, with these two encounters, right? Outside of the birth narrative, these are the, the first sort of two things that we see in Jesus' young, growing life. And it's after this that, uh, that Luke, ha- you know, that Jesus goes off and, and does his whole teaching and healing ministry and heads to the cross, is raised from the dead, ascends to heaven. But it begins here with the establishment of this secure, intimate loving relationship between God the Son, Jesus, and God the Father. And this solidness of his identity as beloved of God then allows him to go off and to uh, face the challenges that he faces, to face the, the trials and the difficulties. I want to read um, from Romans chapter 8. We get another little glimpse here into the way that the train... Anytime I bring up the Trinity, it's so difficult because there's been books and books written. I mean, people have written books and books and books on the Trinity. And so I, it's so hard to just uh, speak so quickly about it. But it's, I think, an important thing that we recognize, that there's this unique relationship between Jesus and God the Father, and that it's a relationship we're invited into. Uh, this is from Romans 8, verse 14. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You and I are not Jesus, but we are invited and we, we, are, we are drawn in through Jesus into this unique relationship with God as our Heavenly Father. I am a father, and as of four months ago today, I'm now a father of four, not just two. Um, I think most of you know, but uh, we received care of Carter and Caleb. Carter has just turned five, and Caleb's about 18 months uh, on February 18th, four months ago today. And um, Carter, from day one, uh, Carter, he's five, but he can't, if any of you have been around him, you know, he can't articulate words very well. He's learning on that. He's, he's growing, but um, he's got a handful of words. But one of them is dad. Uh, and he called me dad from day one. Uh, and it, it wrecked me. <laughs> it wrecked me. Uh, for a couple of reasons. W- one, simply the sweetness and the, the honor that it was to be called dad um, by this kid that I hadn't even known uh, was incredible. Um, and it wrecked me because it, it showed me that he had no idea what that should be in his life, what a dad should be. Um, to Carter, uh, dad is, I think, hopefully... I have the chance to help shape this, right? To help reframe his understanding of, of what a father is. And, and this is, a, this is a, a weighty thing. But I think for, for most of his life, dad has been kind of the older guy who's sort of in charge and provides for him. Which I wonder, uh, for how many of us is that our view of God, right? The older guy that's kind of in charge of things. And so... Um, 
I myself have found, I've been paying more attention to what it means to be father because of this boy that called me father, called me dad, um, long before that relationship was established. And the chance, I'm I'm more aware, I think, of the opportunity I have to shape um, Carter's perception of, of what a father should be certainly with all of my kids, but him in particular. Uh, I've started thinking more about my parenting as, uh, as disciple-making, actually. And, uh, and if that's the case, um, then my parenting is, is about setting up my kids for the most important relationship in their life, their relationship with their Heavenly Father. And I have a, I have a chance to help shape that. Um, but... But I'm not the most important relationship. Uh, there's, a, there's something beyond my role in their life that I get to point to. And if following Christ means that we are responding to his call to make disciples, right? That's the end of Matthew, is go into the world and make disciples of all the people, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then that really becomes all of our relationships. All of our relationships function in that same way of preparing people for the most important relationship in their life, which is with their Heavenly Father. And we cannot possibly do that unless we understand something of the intimacy of that relationship ourselves. Unless we understand something of God as our Heavenly Father. In the same way that Jesus did when he heard God speak over him, you are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. That's the the grace and the amazingness of that that passage from Romans is that it's not just that that's true for Jesus, but through Jesus, through faith in Jesus, we are invited and drawn into that same relationship, to that perfect loving community that is the Trinity. We get to participate in that. And so we need help to shake off whatever insufficient view we have of God as our Father. We need help um, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I I know that it's unconditional love, but I need to get this part of my life in order first, and then I will be pleasing in God's sight. Or, no, 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 I I can't really bring this part of my life to God. It's too shameful. Uh, it, 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 It needs to stay hidden. Um, And then, you know, as long as that's hidden, then I can receive that love and that delight that God has for me. But God says no. In Christ, you are my beloved daughter, my beloved son, and I am well pleased in you. And that is my hope that you can experience and know and taste that this morning and every morning that the intimacy that is available to you in this relationship with God as your heavenly father is available to you all the time. You don't have to do anything to make it happen. You don't have to achieve anything to make God be delighted in you. He is delighted in you. If you've been around the church for this church for, for any length of time, you've seen the number of kids we have grow and grow and grow. Um, And I want to submit to you that with this growing number of kids in our midst, we have uh, living parables that I hope we can pay attention to. Um, The passage I read from Romans uh, 
uses the word Abba, right, which means daddy. It's this intimate word. It's the word that an, a, a little boy or a little girl would use with their father. It's daddy. And um, I, I have not myself been to Israel, but I have a number of friends who have, and a number of people have told me of a similar experience they had where they're, they, they don't know modern Hebrew, right? So they're, in, they're having that experience that all of us have when we're in a place where they're speaking a foreign language we don't understand, where it just sort of becomes background noise, right? It's just sort of, it's, I don't understand it, it's pleasant background noise. And then all of a sudden, cutting through that would be a little infant yelling out, Abba, Abba, running after their daddy. Still the word that is used today to mean daddy. And to see a, 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 little, a little Hebrew boy or girl using that phrase that you know, we, we read about in scripture, so we think it's this highfalutin title that God has, and but to see how, it's, how it really just means daddy and the intimacy there. Bringing it back to us. When the service is over, or before the service next Sunday, um, as you see these little infants falling asleep in their parents' arms, as you see them being released from Sunday school and sprinting across the lobby yelling, daddy or mommy, and running into their arms, um, let it remind you of God speaking over you, that you are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. Let it be a parable that reminds you of the intimacy that God the Father longs to have with you and offers to you so freely in Christ. I hope you can hear that. I hope you can hear that you are God's beloved daughter or son. That's that's what this table is about. Christ has made a way so that we can participate in the intimacy of that relationship. An intimacy that means we don't have to hide anything. An intimacy that means we don't have to get our act together before we can go to God. No, an intimacy that simply comes with arms wide open saying, I've made a way already. Through the body and blood of Jesus, a way has been made that we would know God as our Heavenly Father. So as we come to the Lord's table this morning, would you pray with me? Lord, Father's Day and Mother's Day are are wonderful days and strange days. Whether it's grieving the loss of a parent that's passed away, whether it's grieving parents that have undoubtedly, (laughs) as they are human, let us down in various ways, Give us your grace. Give us your grace as parents. Give us your grace towards our parents. And Lord, would you redefine what it is to be our Heavenly Father? Would you open our eyes to the the intimacy that is available to us? This perfect, loving communion, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we in Christ, get to taste, get to experience, get to know. Lord, we come this morning well aware of our own faults, our own failings, freely confessing to you that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. And yet still, you sing over us. You delight in us. 
Help us to receive that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.